Welcome to the Jill on Money Coronavirus Market Update. We are presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Well, you know, this has been an incredible day. What we did get is a very early morning uh, announcement that the Senate had come to a deal. We are recording this at 4.33 uh, Eastern time on Wednesday. So markets are closed. Stocks had jumped through most of the day, but we closed um, about, let's call it 1% higher for the S&P, a little bit more for the Dow, 2%. That's because Boeing just like cranked up and Boeing's a big component of the Dow. All right. So what happened here? What has happened is it looks like the Senate has come to an agreement on a deal. And what that really means for you is that you're going to have to go check out the website, our website, Jill on Money under Read. We have the Pandemic Lifelines blog post, which we're going to update. But basically, this has been an incredible day. We have an announcement where there's going to be about a $2 trillion deal. Checks sent to individuals who make up to $75,000, $150,000 for a couple, $500 per kid. I'm trying to find out if that kid limit is capped. I mean, if you have eight kids, do you get eight $500 checks? That would be interesting. Uh, anyway, for uh, a lot of uh, people, the expansion of unemployment is going to be huge. It is now covering those self-employed gig workers, freelancers, that's an amazing benefit. Small companies, large corporations are going to be able to get some relief. So check it out. It's jillonmoney.com. We'll keep updating that. You know, it's it's a work in progress until they really vote on a final measure. But it's jillonmoney.com. Click on the read tab and uh, lifelines. That's what we got. Okay. So if you've got a financial question, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is askjill at jillonmoney.com. That's askjill at jillonmoney.com. We're trying to cover as many of your questions as quickly as they come in, but wow, they're coming in fast. Uh, okay. Here's a question from somebody whose name there's no possible way that I'm going to be able to pronounce. Let's call it A, who writes, I'm closing on a house. You ready for this? This Friday, I'm buying it for cash, leaving me with enough money on hand for about eight months of living expenses. I'm a freelancer who has had relatively stable income for the past five years, but with the current state of affairs, should I back out of this purchase? I would lose some of the money that I gave the seller when we signed the pre-purchase agreement, about 10% of the house price, but maybe that's the smart thing to do. Help. Well, I'm wondering if you can try to renegotiate the price. And I'm also wondering whether this really makes sense in the first place, because I'm not sure why you bought a house for cash. Uh, that seems like it was a little over the top, and now you're seeing why, because now you wish you had that cash back. Maybe what you ought to do is first talk to your lawyer and find out whether or not you can negotiate something. Are you really going to lose 10% of the purchase price? How much money are we talking about? And then I think you've got to have a hard conversation with uh, yourself about the kind of pressure you want to put yourself in. Having a house and supporting this amid, amid a, a crisis like this where you could see your income change, I don't know. That'd be tough for me. Let's give ourselves a little bit of breathing room here and at least do some exploration. Talk to the lawyer. Maybe you can negotiate out for a smaller amount. Maybe you can get the price drop. So let's try from there. 
Okay, Susan writes, wants to know, uh, can this is about required minimum distributions from IRAs. So many of you have been asking about this because here's why. When you are required to take money out of your retirement account, which now must occur at age 72, if you turn 72 after uh, January 1st, what happens is there's a valuation on the account based on December 31st, right? Okay. Then the IRS says you have to take some portion of that out over your life expectancy, but it's based on that high watermark value. Okay. Well, guess what? Now the value is so much lower. And so this is forcing people to take out a lot of money from their retirement accounts at a level that no longer exists. It's essentially a quarter less than that value. So what is a person to do? I guess that this could be changed, but so far we are not seeing that. So I wouldn't count on it. I would wait to see if you can take your money out later in the year. That's what I would definitely do. And you don't have to take the money out you know, now unless you need it to live on. And I guess in that respect, there's one good thing to be said, and that is you're taking money out and uh, you, know, you need the money, you pay the tax on the money. That's it. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay. Lynn says, I've been putting all of my contributions into a Roth 401k while my employer puts their contributions into a traditional 401k. My husband has been splitting his contributions equally between Roth and traditional 401ks. Is now a good time to do a traditional to Roth 401k conversion? We've got a year worth of emergency funds and the cash to pay the taxes outside of 401k. The pre-pandemic valuation on the 401k was $100,000. If your employer will allow you to do this, I would do it because now you're converting the money, the amount is lower, and you've got the, the money now to pay the tax. That's great. I would do it. It's a, it's a canny move to be able to take advantage of a market drop like that. So I think that's a fantastic idea. Here is a question. I love this. This is from Ian. Okay, Jill, I love your show. I listen to WBEN in Buffalo. My father left my kids a modest amount of money when he died, $20,000 each. They are minors, so I'm holding their money. I think now's a good time to put all their money into the market. I'm looking for some safe mutual funds or exchange-traded funds to hold for the long term. Anything to look for and what to avoid. Look, there's no such thing as a safe mutual fund. I think that if you've got um, a long time horizon and you've got 20 grand for each kid, maybe you put half the money in a stock mutual index fund and half the money in a bond index fund. If it, this is like forever money, you don't really have any worry about your the volatility, you could put more in. You could maybe go 70-30, but go to any place like a, a Vanguard or a TD Ameritrade or a Schwab and, and just throw the money in there and don't worry about it. Because as you said, it's a great opportunity if you've got a long time horizon. All right. Here is a note from Stacy who says, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast. I've been catching up on previous shows for the last year, and I'm so grateful for the daily sessions. I just found out today that I should expect a 10% pay cut until further notice as the company I work for prepares for the unknown. We're part of the food service industry, and we've taken a big hit due to COVID-19. I'm 37, single, no kids, but I do take care of my parents. They're healthy. They do not require much financial assistance. 
I have an emergency fund that's enough to cover more than a year's worth of expenses. I began to contribute into a 401k, a traditional, over the past few years. I've gradually increased my contribution percentage to 25%. With the upcoming pay cut, should I consider lowering my contribution to 15% or should I continue with my current contribution rate and enjoy the tax benefit? Thank you again for all that you do. Wishing everyone good health. Best regards, Stacy. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If your 10% pay cut is totally affordable and you can live your life, I would maybe cut it back a little bit, but only if you really are having a problem. Frankly, I'd love for you to stay at 25% as long as there are no issues. And you say that you've got an emergency fund and you've got more than a year's worth of expenses. If you can float that 25% contribution level on your 10% reduction in salary, I'd stick to it. It's a great opportunity for you to get a jump on where you are. I I think that it might make a lot of sense for you to be able to do that. But again, if there's any pressure, ease up just a little bit. Deborah writes, I'm a relatively new listener to the podcast and I enjoy it while walking my dog in the morning. Thanks. I love walking my dogs too. So I've got several questions regarding the current financial situation. Let me start with the most immediate one. I am 61. My husband is 66. I'm not working, and he's hoping to retire later this year. We have several different savings accounts, a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, taxable brokerage, cash and CDs, a municipal bond fund, a high-yield savings, which I assume won't be that high much longer. Our allocation, 55% stock, 45% bond or cash. My husband also has a 401k invested in a target fund, a target 2020 fund. He contributes the maximum amount each year, 26,000 for 2020. His company matches some of that. His contribution is made twice a month on the same schedule as his paychecks. And then she gives me the allocation, the question. Should he continue to put his contribution in the Target 2020 fund, or would we or he be better off switching to something more conservative, like a government bond fund? He has a wide range of investment options. Eh, I'd stick with what you have. I mean, that is basically a 55-45 fund, and I think that's fine. You don't need all the money at once, and hopefully you will essentially have other money to draw upon when you retire. Here's a second question. I feel like we have too much of our retirement savings in pre-tax accounts. Would it make sense for him to switch to a Roth 401k at this point? He'd likely only be making nine more months of contributions. Eh, with nine months to go, I'd say no. Don't make yourself crazy with that one, okay? Really. All right, here's our last question of this daily podcast from Corey. I love listening to your reports every morning. My question, I am sure, is amongst the most popular. I'm 49 and retirement planning is grossly behind. I own most of my home. My 401k is way down. It was down 32%, but in recent days recovered to down 26%. I've got $72,000 down from a high of just under 100. Okay. It's set up to be very aggressive. Of course it has, because I figured you've got essentially have 90% of your portfolio in stocks is what I'm getting. At. Okay, so the guy's 49 or the girl. I don't know, Corey girl, Corey boy. Question. You ready? Gang, let's think about it. Number one, ride out as is. Two, park it in a more conservative portfolio. 
uh, knowing that I'm misbuying in on the lower end. Split the difference, park part of it, put new contributions in the aggressive, park 72K that's there. I've generally found that splitting the difference often ends up being a poor decision, but in this case, I'm not sure. Your thoughts, thank you, and all the best. Stay healthy. You're 49. All right, Corey, you got super aggressive for the wrong reason. The reason you were super aggressive is, as you said, you were way behind on your retirement and you thought you'd make it up by taking more risk. And now you're finding out that that is not a great strategy. Now that said, calm down, take a deep breath. You're not going to access this money probably at the earliest for 15 years. I need you to do nothing right now because as long as you don't need this money for at least 15 years, you will have a chance to essentially make a better decision when the market recovers. But here's the thing, Corey, you're going to have to take a pinky swear with me. You're going to have to essentially make the deal with the devil, which says, when I see these markets recover, when the economy comes out of this recession, and it will happen, I don't know if it's going to happen in three months or six months or in 18 months, I don't know. But what I do know is you are taking too much risk for your long-term needs. You do not need to be aggressive. You need to keep putting money away. So unless you need this money anytime soon, no sudden moves. Got it? Good. We are all so bold when markets are roaring up. Have you noticed that I have become calmer when markets have collapsed? I don't love bear markets. I just feel more comfortable when markets have dropped down because then it's finally apparent to people just how dangerous this thing called investing is. Here is your lesson to learn. I have been doing this for so long. I've been involved in the crash of 1987. I have seen the dot-com boom and bust. I've seen the financial crisis and all the mini little craters in between. What I have learned is that risk is a four-letter word. And all the people who are relying on markets to do the heavy lifting for them are learning a painful lesson now. Here is the lesson to be learned, gang. It's not really a question of whether or not you're aggressive. It's a question of whether you start saving early enough and you have saved enough over time to get where you want to go with the least amount of risk possible. This is not fun and games. This is your real life. This is serious stuff. So I don't want to hear people start thinking about where to be a stock picker and what's the best thing on the way down. And that all, the, all this is really nonsense. What's important is you secure your health, you secure your family, you secure your financial life, and you don't take unnecessary risks. That to me is where we are. That is our lesson. If you can write that down, little note to self, risk is a four-letter word. Let's all get on board with that. Let's pinky swear to that. Let's not take risk when we don't have to. Instead, let's think about putting more money away or working a little longer. How about that? All right, that's it. That's it for the day. Um, we'll be updating you tomorrow. And again, if you've got questions, just send them to us. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. And frankly, the way you can help us out is to pass along this podcast to everyone you know, to calm them down. Have them subscribe. Have them tell us what's on their minds. 
please, this is what we can do. We can work together to try to get through this. That's what we can do. Mark and I are absolutely on board. We're working our butts off each of us and together. And we want to do that. We want to be here for you. So all you need to do to help us out is to tell people to subscribe to the podcast. And they can do that anywhere they get their podcast, right? Anywhere. Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or Radio.com or Google Play or anywhere else you get your favorite podcast, wherever you're listening to now, tell your friends to subscribe. And then they can send us their questions and you can stop making one another crazy. Let's all do this together. Let me take the anxiety for you. I'm here for you, okay? Mark and I are so thankful that you listen. We uh, are dropping these episodes every day. Don't forget that our music is composed by Joel Goodman and Mark Talercio, the best executive producer. Fantastic dad. We had to delay taping. He was changing a diaper. Gotta love it. We are distributed by Cadence 13. Our show is presented by Marcus by Goldman Sachs, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Be safe. Be safe.